are celebrating Pentecost. That name comes from Greek words meaning 50 because Pentecost, Pente is 50. Pentecost is 50 days after Passover. And if you read back in Exodus and Deuteronomy, you'll read that Pentecost was a Jewish feast day. It had other names, Shabbat or the Festival of Weeks. It was one of the three major Jewish festivals. The others being the Festival of Unleavened Bread, also called Passover, and the Festival of Tabernacles or Booths, which we don't hear as much about. You see, Pentecost was a Jewish festival that was invested with special meaning for Christians because of the events Cyril read to us about in the second chapter of Acts. Let us pray for illumination. Almighty God, by the power of your Holy Spirit, speak to us in the language of our hearts so that we may hear your word with understanding and answer your call with confidence. Amen. This is from Acts chapter 2, starting at the first verse. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place, and suddenly from heaven there came the sound like the rush of a violent wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Divided tongues as a fire appeared among them, and a tongue rested on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit gave them ability. Now there were devout Jews from every nation under heaven living in Jerusalem, and at this sound, the crowd gathered and was bewildered because each one heard them speaking in the native language of each. Amazed and astonished, they asked, Are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear, each of us, in our own native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs. In our own languages, we hear them speaking about God's deeds of power. All were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? But others sneered and said, they are filled with new wine. But Peter, standing with the eleven, raised his voice, and address them. Men of Judea, and all who live in Jerusalem, let this be known to you, and listen to what I say. Indeed, these are not drunk, as you suppose, but it's only nine o'clock in the morning. No, this is what was spoken through the prophet Joel. In the last days it will be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Even upon my slaves, both men and women, in those days I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I will show portents in the heaven above, and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and smoky mist. The sun shall be turned to darkness, and the moon to blood before the coming of the Lord's great and glorious day. Then everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall 
be saved. Now our gospel reading includes a couple of verses in John 15 and more from the 16th chapter. Remember the setting of this reading from John. It's the night before Jesus will be arrested. He's with all 12 disciples in the upper room and Jesus is telling them about the coming of the Holy Spirit. Listen now for God's word for us in these words of Jesus. When the Advocate comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of Truth who comes from the Father, He will testify on my behalf. You also are to testify because you have been with me from the beginning. And moving down to the 16th chapter. I did not say these things to you from the beginning because I was with you. But now I'm going to Him who sent me. Yet none of you ask me, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your hearts. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will prove the world wrong about sin, righteousness, and judgment. About sin because they do not believe in me. About righteousness because I'm going to my Father you will see me no longer. About judgment because the ruler of this world has been condemned. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them. Now, when the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you into all the truth, for He will not speak on His own, but will speak whatever He hears, and He will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me because He will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. For this reason, I said He will take what is mine and declare it to you. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Thanks be to God. God. Oh Lord, may my words and may our thoughts be acceptable in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Have you got the Spirit? In the Apostles' Creed, which we use most weeks to affirm our faith, we say we believe in the Holy Spirit or the Holy Ghost. But what does that mean? What's it mean to you? What do you believe about the Holy Spirit? Well, today we will affirm our faith using a section <coughs> of our brief statement of faith. Uh, it's on the insert in your bulletin. We'll affirm our trust in God, the Holy Spirit, everywhere the giver and renewer of life. We'll say that the Spirit justifies us by grace through faith, sets us free to accept ourselves and to love God and neighbor, and binds us together with all believers in the one body of Christ, that is the church. We'll acknowledge that the Spirit inspired the prophets and apostles and now guides our lives and rules our faith and life in Christ through Scripture. The Spirit feeds us with the bread of life and the cup of salvation and calls women and men to all ministries of the church. In a broken and fearful world, the Spirit gives us courage. Courage to pray without ceasing, to witness among all peoples to Christ as Lord and Savior, and much, much more. Perhaps you've heard, maybe you've even said or thought something like this. Well, you know, I think I understand at least a little something about God the Father, creator of all that is. 
and I understand something about Jesus from the baby born in Bethlehem to the young man working with his carpenter father, Joseph, to the preacher, healer, to the innocent man dying on a cross, and even the resurrected Jesus appearing to his disciples. I get at least some of that, but I don't quite get the Holy Spirit. I believe that all three persons of the Trinity are beyond our comprehension, different from any being we know. Mysteries we accept and trust on faith. So let me ask you again. Have you got the Spirit? And what does having the Spirit mean to you? For some to speak of the Holy Spirit is to conjure up images of intensely emotional and physically demonstrative worship. In the church where David and I were married 39 short years ago, I heard a preacher assure the listeners that even though he was talking about the Holy Spirit that Pentecost day, he was not going to be asked by our congregation to stand and sway with hands held high because he knew we would never do that. Not in church, maybe at an ACC game or a concert. Or something. <laughs> not in church. We're too sophisticated for that. Well, for some, experience of the Holy Spirit is a more personal and private thing. There's an artist named Makato Fujimara who writes in this book on art and faith that he experiences the Holy Spirit through creating works of art. He points out the crass, the craftsman of the Ark of a Covenant, Bezalel and Oholiab, that they were the first examples of the, in the Bible of human beings who were filled with the Holy Spirit. They were said to have been filled with the Spirit of God, with wisdom, with understanding, with knowledge, with all kinds of skills. Fujimara says that it is the Spirit of God, the God who creates, the God who fills us in order to create. And then in later passages of Exodus also indicates the ability to teach others. So the Holy Spirit inspires artists, teachers, musicians who are artists, and all the rest of us, if we'll let him. Our two readings from the New Testament use the word, it's the Greek word paraclete, to describe the Holy Spirit. That word is often translated advocate, but it can also be described as comforter, helper, teacher, guide, assistant, intercessor, companion. And as I mentioned at a wedding one time here, <clears throat> comforter doesn't mean, you know, a big fluffy thing to use for a bed spread makes it easy to make up your bed. Keeps you warm. Comforter comes from again Latin roots, com meaning together, and fort meaning strength. The Holy Spirit gives us strength. The Holy Spirit empowered ordinary folks like you and me to continue the work of Jesus Christ. So may God bless you with not just the feeling, but the sure and certain knowledge that God the Holy Spirit is guiding and blessing your life and making you a blessing to others. What kind of blessing? Well, in the fifth chapter of Galatians, the Apostle Paul listed nine fruits of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, 
kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. May God guide your life. May the Holy Spirit guide your life to be those blessings to yourself and to all those around you. Thanks be to God.